Now this is going to be fun. life attacks we're um we're glad you're back here with us um from for you old listeners you guys already know uh this format by now seeing as you're only hearing my voice uh this is the voice of travis mcfalls this is the ask the q a ask travis episode and episode of that the main question obviously is where have you guys been for the last two years jim and i have just been living our lives. Um, it's sort of been hard to meet in the middle. The um, Without going into it too much, let's just put it this way. Um, we've been having the most productive talks that we've had in two years. And the fact that I'm doing a Q&A episode with you guys right now, and Jim is editing it and posting it, uh, should at least show you guys that, you know, we're definitely, uh, we're starting back down the road here. So, let's just get into it. First question. What happens to you when you die? God damn. We're starting off awfully morose here. A little moribund. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I will tell you this. There's a YouTube channel called Ask a Mortician. Uh, you should probably check her out, person that asked that question. Um... I actually discovered uh, that channel uh, watching a documentary on the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And uh, she did an episode on that and how uh, Lake Superior doesn't give up her dead. Which sort of segues me into another question here. Let's see here. It's uh, basically like, what are you watching now during quarantine? So that would tell you... um, Clearly, I've gone down the YouTube rabbit hole (laughs) when I'm watching Ask a Mortician, but uh, mostly I've been catching up on Red Letter Media. They're probably my favorite YouTube channel. Best of the Worst is my favorite show that they do. It's just watching old shitty movies and stacking them against each other and figuring out which one is, in fact, the, the best of the worst, just how it sounds. They're based out of Milwaukee. I originally got into them with their Mr. Plinkett Star Wars reviews, as most people that are into them got into them. So they're they're super cool. I highly recommend checking them out. What do we have next? What is my uh, who who rather is my favorite sibling? Favorite sibling. Um, <laughs> I know it's, um, so guess, uh, my favorite sibling would have to be my cousin Goose, because I've always looked at him as a brother, man. He, uh, <laughs> I don't know. He was always a little guy that I, I, uh, yeah, I always kind of looked at him as a little brother, but obviously probably my kid sister, um, hands down. Uh, right. Are you a night owl or an early bird? Definitely a night owl. Always been a night owl. Uh, I, I would say the uh, 
what's that Jonathan Richmond song? I think it's just called At Night. At night, at night, it's when I get all of my kicks. It's when I get all my great ideas. I've always more went to bed at the crack of dawn than woke up at the crack of dawn. I just found I hate alarm clocks. I hate I hate having my slumber disrupted because it's usually like right in the middle of a great dream, right when you're getting to the apex of it, when everything is just going your way and then eh, eh, eh. So yeah, fuck mornings, man. Fuck mornings. I'm a night owl. Who is next? How is the dog doing? By the dog, I'm thinking you're meaning the Danif, which uh, you have to ask Jim. I haven't seen the Danif in a little while. I fucking love that dog. Adorable as fuck. Huge as fuck. I fucking love that dog. So that dog better be doing well, Jim. <laughs> but that's a... Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm i going to say well. I'm going to answer it for Jim. I know, I know he loves that dog too. So I know that dog's... I know that dog's doing good. What do you miss most about Texas? What don't you miss? Miss most about Texas? Well, the food, obviously. Um, if you've ever been to Texas, that would stick out to you the most. You can get anything there, and it's awesome. And, uh, yeah, I gained a lot of weight living out there. It, it, it really just took over. Uh, a guy like me, guy like me, just... Uh, <laughs> No self-control. That was, uh, that was, a, uh, yeah, I let loose, man, on the, on some Taco Tuesdays that I went to with, um, some of my good friends, Trombones and Dr. Feelgood. I miss, I miss having Taco Tuesdays with those two goofy bastards. What don't I miss? What don't I miss? The oppressive heat. Definitely not the oppressive heat. Um, and then just the sort of like, fuck you, I'm Texan mentality. Uh, if you've ever driven out there, those fuckers will mow you down and not think twice about it. You're not just driving to your job on your daily commute out there. You're fighting for fucking survival, man. So I, I don't miss that at all. Next question comes from... Let's see here. Okay, any small, large-scale self-revelations while stuck home in work quarantine? Um, I think I think more it's just like that self-realization, how much you took things for granted before COVID hit. Um, I wanted to go out and get a pair of shoes, just a new pair of shoes. And like, granted, like, I know you're probably like, boo-hoo-hoo, I had to order them online, but... I like to go to the store. I like to try them on. I like to walk around in them. See how they look. See how they feel. Restaurants. Speaking of, like, Taco Tuesdays and Mexican food. Like, yeah, okay, we, we have takeout, and you can take it back home. But, like, Mexican takeout just kind of sucks. You have to go to the restaurant for Mexican food. Like, have you ever gotten the chips and salsa to go? It's terrible. They give you... They give you this massive bag of chips and then like this little Dixie cup worth of salsa. So, you know, you get to have maybe like three chips with salsa and then you're stuck with this bag of chips that is just going to go stale within a day. And then, I mean, yeah, the food's kind of, you know, still typically the same. Mostly the chips and salsa. And then like a margarita, man. You want to get a margarita or some shit. You can't do that. So I like to go, I like 
to go out and enjoy the Mexican food restaurants. The others, not so much. I Like Chinese food, Chinese food, takeout. I always get Chinese takeout or Chinese delivery. I never actually eat Chinese in the restaurant, hardly ever. So nothing's changed there. Obviously pizza, right? We all get that delivered at home. Nothing's changed so much with that. The, uh, what else would you get? Well, I mean, if you got the hankering for Indian food, not the same getting that takeout, is it? Uh, especially like with the chutney and stuff. It's pretty much similar to the chips and salsa situation. What is your dream car? <laughs> right now, man, I'm going to tell you pretty much anything that's an upgrade over the old O2. The Volkswagen is, is 18 years old now. She's graduated high school. So it's, it's time to let her go. It's time to let her go off in the world. Most likely to a, uh, you know, to get stripped down and demolished, but it's time to let her go. So um, I'm trying to make it till it's 20, just to say that I have a 20-year-old car. I don't know why. Um, and I'm kind of rather attached to it because it still has a tape deck. And yes, I, I, I still do play cassettes. So getting rid of the... Getting rid of the O2 is actually going to be sad for me, but my dream car is actually, I'm getting wandering eyes. And I've been, I've been eyeing, I've been eyeing up some things. Uh, I've been looking at Subaru, but Jim calls me MPR. Uh, just the thought of Subaru. He thinks I should stick with Volkswagen. Uh, the thing is though, is we live in Minnesota and the first, you know, the first time I lived out here, I had a Honda Accord, which is a front-wheel drive. So I know I can do front-wheel drive in the snow, but I'd rather have something with four-wheel or all-wheel drive. And that's why I was looking Subaru. They all come with it. And I hear they're reliable. My grandfather's had one now for a couple years. He loves the thing. So as NPR as it sounds, <laughs> or uh, I don't know, is it even like... Is it granola eating? Do people, is that like a granola-y car nowadays? I don't know. But uh, Subaru seems all right. I've also been, I mean, since he's been saying that, I've been looking at the newer Jettas. They get, uh, they get some pretty good, pretty good uh, gas mileage. But Volkswagen's also coming out, what, in like 2022? They're coming out with an electric line of vehicles. And I know, like, you probably shouldn't get the first ones that come out because there's always problems, always kinks with anything that comes out. Like, think back to, like, when the Xbox 360 came out. Those first models were catching fire. Let other people's houses catch fire. Let other people's cars catch fire. Sit the first wave out. Give it a year. Let them work out the kinks and then see where it goes. Unfortunately, I don't think the O2 is going to make it to 2023. So I got to... Got to look something sooner than that. So dream car, any sort of upgrade over the O2. What's your fondest memory? This one actually ties in with another question, which was um, favorite memory living in Italy. Um, I'm not going to say that this is, I'm not going to say that this was my fondest memory because I, I don't know that I have a fondest memory. But I will say, all right, there was a pretty cool thing when I was in Italy. So we had 
basically how I got into speaking, public speaking, all that jazz, was we had these speech and drama festivals. And my junior year, I took gold in prose interpretation with a Dave Barry piece. So the next year, my senior year, high expectations. You know, I wanted to prove it was no fluke. So I originally came in with a Hunter S. Thompson piece, very kind of serious piece. And instantly, that was kiboshed. I was told, nope, you won gold with Dave Barry, you got to stick with Dave Barry. So I was handed a stack of Dave Barry pieces. And I said, all right, well, if I got to pick from Dave Barry, I'm picking the one I want. And I picked this piece called Wonder Dog because it had character in it. It, it, had, it was basically told from the perspective of the character, and I presented it to uh, the, the, the drama coach, and he was like, no way, that piece sucks. And I said, no, you turned down the Hunter S. Thompson, I'm doing this piece. And he said, well, you're probably not even going to make the team then. And I said, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I took it because I had a vision. And the idea is it's narrated through the dog. It's basically talking about how stupid the guy's dog is. And I decided to do it like in that in a world type movie trailer voice. And it just gave it this, this texture and feeling that, you know, took it over the edge. So when I presented it, uh, you know, the coach, the assistant coach, they were looking at each other like, okay, let's get this over with. And then I went into it and they were just like, boom, you just shot, you just shot right up to the top again. And I went on to win gold with that piece. And why I was even more proud of the gold piece I won was because at that time, I was probably one of the few people doing comedy pieces. And they knew that the judges would go for these pieces from like, what was it, like White Oleander or some shit? Where it was basically, they would get, you know, they would get a, uh, get one of the girls to go up there and basically do like a piece of shit husband piece. How they got like beat by their husbands and like raped and stuff like, like, like hardcore stuff. This is a high school drama tournament. They're doing rape and domestic abuse. And they're doing that because they know that that pulls on the judge's heartstrings. And the judge, you know, the judge can't be like, yeah, I'm going to put that at third place. Like, you're almost guilting them into giving you the gold. And so I come out with this fucking wonder dog piece. And I, I blew the fucking top off of it. I beat both the rape and the domestic abuse piece. Um, and I took gold. Those other two pieces took silver and bronze. So that was, that was sort of a fond memory of just... Just because it kind of teach, you know, it was one of those teaching lessons where you go, if you know you've got something good, stick to your guns because odds are you're probably right about it. Now, you know, take, take constructive criticism, but when you know you've got something, go with it. Next question. Oh, dear. Tits or ass? <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, I'm a leg man. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'm a leg man. <laughs> I'm sorry if you were looking for A or B, but uh, my answer is C. I'm a legman. Um, what made you want to learn guitar? 
Um, I when I was a kid, probably Richie Valens and Buddy Holly, like La Bamba, the Buddy Holly story, because I really liked their music. And then you find out they died in a plane crash and it made me sad. And I don't know why, but that just sort of made me. So I was in kindergarten when I found out about that stuff. So I kind of cut out and made myself a paper guitar and would play along with the radio and um, with my records. And then when I was 10, my dad had a roommate with a guitar and that wasn't working out so good for him. He, you know, he just kind of discovered, uh, this ain't my thing. So he gave me the guitar. It was an electric guitar. It was a cheapo. It was a Harmony and it was a Harmony amp. But nonetheless, it was a guitar, right? Fucking A. And I, I tried it, but at the time, I was very focused on sports. Uh, with my just family situation at the time, it was very, very, you, you play sports. And so, but that, that situation changed, like, you know, from the age of 10 to 13. Um, but I remember the moment that I was like, dude, I'm fucking doing this, was... Uh, Obviously, back in the day, MTV played music videos. I saw the music video for Under the Bridge. And it starts off with John Frusciante playing the intro, which we're all familiar with. And then, you know, and then it you know goes into Kiedis and Kiedis sings and stuff. And then at the end, it goes into Frusciante playing the outro riff. I just remember seeing John Frusciante and being like, dude, that guy's fucking badass. That's what I want to do. So that's... Um, that's actually what got me into playing guitar. I, I, I just remember that second, just it clicking, just seeing the Under the Bridge video. Um, which, let's see. Oh, what kind of guitars do I like? Uh, I'm a Fender guy. At first, I thought Marshall Stacks, Gibson Les Pauls, but then I actually played a Les Paul, and the action was just stiff. Just stiff on it. I couldn't stand it. And then... I played a Fender, and which actually I'll get around to. I so my second guitar is a Olympic White Fender Jaguar, and or I'm sorry, an Olympic White Fender Mustang, and that's purely based off Frusciante. Frusciante played a Mustang, and then also of course John Davis from the Folk Implosion and David Byrne from the Talking Head, Heads, Talking Heads, and so I picked up the the Mustang. For that reason, uh, my main guitar is a Fender Jaguar, and I got that one. That's a Sunburst, and the main reason I got that one, I was actually at a guitar shop uh, with my old man, uh, the old guitar shop I used to go to when I was a teenager, but I was like 25, 26 at the time, and uh, I, I saw it in there, and I always knew Tom Verlaine in uh, in the the sleeve for the Marquee Moon album is playing a Jaguar. And Tom Verlaine's one of my favorite guitarists also. And I saw it. Uh, I've always wanted the Jazz Master. And it actually turns out Verlaine plays the Jazz Master more than he plays the Jaguar. But I saw this Jaguar, and it was unique because it had a square inlay on the neck versus the standard Fender dot inlay. And then the body was a little beaten, but she played well. She sounded amazing. And I called a buddy in Pennsylvania and I told him about this and I told him the price and then I told him about the square inlays. He was just like, buy it, buy it. And I did and I never looked back. As far as amps go, I wouldn't be opposed to having a Marshall stack. 
Um, but actually, or a half stack for that matter. But when it comes to the stack half stacks, I actually prefer high watt, but those are very expensive, very hard to get. And so that's why I use my twin, my twin reverb, Fender twin reverb. So that's my, that's my, that's my, that's my main setup. But I also use an army of pedals, which I won't go into because that sort of helps create my sound. Uh, I use pretty much only analog. I don't think I have any digital pedals. I may have had one or I may have one, but for the most part, I use all analog pedals. The, okay, I'll give you one brand that I use uh, just because it's kind of obvious. I'm a Dinosaur Junior fan and Jay Mascus really loves electro harmonics. So I got electro, I started getting into electro harmonics and I use a good share of electro harmonics pedals. Uh, Kevin Shields, probably one of my personal favorites. I would like to find out some of the pedals he uses because initially I was told he uses Fender Blender, but I actually did some research. He doesn't use a Fender Blender. It's like a fuzz pedal. But <laughs> anyway, uh, I digress. Oh, this one comes from Goose. Sweet Goose. I was just talking about, will you ever just let me be Maverick? Fuck no, bitch. You're Goose. Embrace it. Live with it. All right? That's your name. Your name is Goose. It doesn't get any more Goose than Goose. You're fucking Goose. You can never be Maverick, okay? You die. You're Goose. You die when we eject. All right? That's, that's all there is to it. Just, just, just learn to live with it, man. Just learn to live with it. It's okay. It's okay. And uh, we have one last question here. Oh, fuck, dude. Do I really want to end with this? Greatest fear. Well, my greatest fear is death. I mean, it's kind of like the one thing you can't control. But it's all... <laughs> so, I, I, you know, it's the, well, it's not the... It's the one thing you can't avoid. Like, no one, no one here gets out alive, man. So that's my greatest fear because you don't know what happens after that. Uh, it's been discussed on the show several times. I'm agnostic. So, you know, I'm not like an atheist where I'm going to tell you there's nothing after death. And that's a surety. You know, that's a sure thing, man. But I'm also not going to tell you you're going to heaven because that's a sure thing. Like, the fact of the matter is I'm a simple human. I don't fucking know what's happening after that. And that's terrifying, knowing that your entire existence in this infinite expanse of dead space just goes out and that's it that's the end for all of eternity there was all that eternity before you there's all that eternity after you gone you know you just have that little window and i don't i don't like to be yolo or anything i don't i'm not going to tell you you only live once you know live your life how you want to live your life but <laughs> like you know you just try to make it count for something <laughs> like, but but yeah that would be that would be my greatest fears death because nothing's more permanent than that like like i can tell you my second greatest fear pool sharks but i might be able to survive a pool shark death is permanent pool shark i can just get out of the pool <laughs> i don't know why I think it's because my dad showed me Jaws when I was probably four or five. And so every time I'd be in the deep end of the pool, like I'd just hear, dun-na, dun-na, dun-dun-dun-dun. 
pool. <laughs> and like, I'd freak out and get to the pool. Or like I imagine like, you know, one of those James Bond movies where they like just drop you in the shark tank. Like I could see that like when I'm swimming and then just some villain's just like, unleash the pool shark. And, there, and then you're fucked. You're fucked, man. Fucking pool sharks. Okay, that was, all right, we're out of questions here. So I, th I think that's a good place to end it, is pool sharks. So, um, yeah, this was a fun little Q&A. I apologize, I am terribly rusty. Uh, that's part of the reason why we're starting off with a Q&A, is just to, uh, you know, just knock some of the rust off. So, um, once again, the big question, when's Jim going to be back? When are you guys going to be back as a duo? And once again, all I can tell you is we're having very productive conversations, very productive talks. Once again, the fact that I am recording this right now with you guys, interacting, taking questions with you guys, and I'm sending it off to Jim to edit. Well, we all know that these are one-take shows, so. <laughs> so I apologize for all the ums and ands and etc. Uh, so yeah, just the fact that Jim's getting this, um, he's going to put it together and he's going to put it out for you guys. Um, you know, take heart guys, take heart. Good things should be around the corner. And same with, um, same with what's going on in the world. Yeah, it sucks right now, but good things should be around, should be coming around the corner. Like, for me, a good thing. Dude, I just got in the mail. Check this out. Check it. Like, I just got this in the mail today. And it's already out of tune. Holy shit. Well, if it were more in tune, it's brand new. But, dude, I just got a ukulele. They brought it to me in the mail. Dropped it off. I've had it for, like, five minutes. Uh, that was supposed to be Monty Python. But, um, yeah, this... I don't know if it's just a shitty ukulele that I got or if uh, it just needs to settle in. But yeah, yeah, the the high string there, uh, she's not she's not holding serve here. The high A, she's not holding tune very well. <laughs> you know, I just want to leave you guys with high hopes. I hope everything is going well for you. Um, I've been quarantined. You've been quarantined. We've been quarantined. They've been quarantined. But it's all right, man. We're going to get through it. And there's going to be brighter days ahead. So in the meantime, take care and we'll talk to you soon. I was Travis McFalls. Thanks for listening. Why don't you follow us on Twitter at When Life Attacks or Facebook When Life Attacks Podcast. Or you can look directly at our blog, which is WhenLifeAttacksPodcast.com. When you're chewing on life's gristle, that grumble, give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps. Just purse your lips and whistle, that's the thing. 
And always look on the bright side of life. Come on. Always look on the bright side of life. For life is quite absurd, and death's the final word. You must always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your sin, give the audience a grin. Enjoy it, it's your last chance anyhow. So always look on the bright side of death. Just before you draw your terminal breath. Life's a piece of shit when you look at it. Life's a laugh and death's a joke, it's true. You'll see it's all a show, keep them laughing as you go. Just remember that the last laugh is on you. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the right side of life. Always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the right side of life. First things happen to see, you know. Always look on the right side of life. What you got to lose? You know, you come from nothing, you go back to nothing. What you lost? Always look on the right side of life. Nothing will come from nothing, you know. Records available in the foyer. Some must quite live as well, you know. Who do you think pays for all this rubbish? Always the money back, you know. I told him. I said to him, Bernie, I said they'll never make that money back.